Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's Saturday the 17th of February. I'm Kira Evans and this was a week that saw Labour win a double by-election victory. David Cameron scolded by Marjorie Taylor Greene. Taylor Swift win the Super Bowl and shock at the death of a much-loved radio star. Grab a cup of something hot, put up your feet, and get up to speed on the seven biggest stories of the week. This is the standout seven from the Smart Seven. It's news, but not the news. It was another tough week for Prime Minister Rishi Sunak as he faces an increasingly difficult general election. He took part in a town hall style event for GB News on Monday and it really didn't go terribly well with a particularly awkward moment as an anti-vaccine campaigner left him struggling for answers. There wasn't much good news on the economic front either as the rate of inflation stayed steady at 4%. Some experts had expected the rise in energy prices to push inflation up once again but the first fall in food prices in two years helped to keep things on an even keel. The bad news was that the Bank of England is now unlikely to take action on interest rates as Governor Andrew Bailey described the figures as encouraging but that it leaves us pretty much where we were. Chancellor Jeremy Hunt says the government has more work to do to hit the target rate. Inflation never falls in a straight line and although it's welcome that it hasn't gone up uh, it is still double the target level and we're not going to be able to relieve pressure on families until we hit that target and the Bank of England feels able to reduce interest rates. And as the general election edges closer, it's been a while since we heard Rishi Sunak mention his five pledges, probably because only one of them has been achieved. He's delivered lower inflation, but he's struggling to stop the small boats, definitely hasn't reduced NHS waiting lists, and isn't making much of a dent in debt either. So what about his pledge to grow the economy? Well, that took a hit on Thursday as the UK officially entered recession. It came after the economy shrank by 0.3% in the fourth quarter, thus officially triggering a recession as the July to September numbers also shrank. But Chancellor Jeremy Hunt was back on the media circuit with the message that we just need to hang in there. The most important thing that I can do to relieve pressure on families is to bring down that inflation rate. And that was why we need to stick to our guns and independent forecasters say if we do that, uh, inflation will come down to its target. Labour shadow Chancellor Rachel Reeves says the UK is trapped in a spiral of economic decline. Rishi Sunak claims that he has a plan, but the plan is not working. He claims that the economy has turned a corner. He claims he doesn't want to take us back to square one, but we are going backwards. The final blow in Rishi's bad week came from two more by-elections on Thursday. Both seats have been Tory majorities of 18,000 in Wellingborough and 11,000 in Kingswood. But even before the polls closed, the Tories were sounding nervous. Wellingborough's by-election came after a successful recall petition by Tory MP Peter Bone, while Kingswood MP Chris Skidmore quit the government in protest over new oil and gas licences. Early Friday morning saw Labour score a double victory as they both won seats, which means Rishi has only won one of nine by-elections during his leadership. Damien Egan won in Kingswood with a 10% margin, but it wasn't as dramatic as the victory in Wellingborough. Gang Kitchens win overturns a seat that has been Tory for 19 years, and the swing in votes, which was scored big 
biggest in post-war history, puts Labour on track for a major general election win. Winning candidate Kitchen says the nation is ready for change. People here are patriotic and hopeful for our country and they care about our community. But they know that our roads aren't fit to drive on, getting our child a doctor's appointment can seem impossible and that they are paying more and getting less. Today, they said enough is enough. Apart from the double by-election win on Friday morning, it wasn't a great week for Labour leader Sir Keir Starmer either. Even with two by-elections in the week, all of the focus on Tuesday was on the third by-election due to take place on the 29th of February in the Labour seat of Rockdale. It's to replace long-time Labour MP Tony Lloyd, who died in January. But the Labour Party has been thrown into absolute chaos as revelations emerged about their candidate, Azar Ali. He was recorded saying that Israel allowed the October 7th attacks to happen so it could attack Gaza. He apologised for the rem- but Labour leader Sir Keir Starmer formerly withdrew Labour's support of his candidacy. Further information came to light, so I took decisive action. It is a huge thing to withdraw support for a Labour candidate during the course of a by-election. But when I say the Labour Party has changed under my leadership, I mean it. It leaves the Labour Party in a very difficult position and it's hard to predict how the by-election will now unfold, with George Galloway hoping to capitalise on the chaos. A second Labour general election candidate, Graham Jones, was also suspended and Lord Mann, the government's anti-Semitism adviser, says the decision is unprecedented. I would say it's a bold and brave decision because to give up a parliamentary seat at this time in general election year is, I think the Jewish community will take great comfort in the fact that Keir Starmer has been prepared to do it. Starmer's swift response was intended to prevent any further charges of anti-Semitism against Labour and Shadow Defence Secretary John Healy and Labour takes its pledge to act on anti-Semitism seriously. This is not a party of people who are saints. When people do things that may be wrong, we have an independent investigations process and when it concerns candidates or MPs, we expect, as the public does, the very highest standards. Starmer faces another tricky week next week as the SNP is looking for a push for a vote on a ceasefire in Gaza. The last time the issue arose, several frontbench members resigned. But is all of this chaos impacting Labour in the general election polls? Political Research Director at polling companies Avanta, Chris Higgins, said there are some signs that it might be. There is perhaps a sense that the Labour lead isn't quite as infallible as perhaps we once thought. I think over the last fortnight we've definitely seen some more negative Labour headlines that haven't been married along with negative Conservative headlines and I think that that possibly might be having some impact. For a country that effectively has no navy, Ukraine has inflicted extraordinary damage on the Russian fleet in the Black Sea. On Wednesday, they announced they'd sunk another Russian ship, this time a large amphibious landing ship called the Caesar Konikov. It sank off the coast of the Russian-occupied Crimea, making it the 25th vessel sunk or disabled by Ukraine so far. That's a third of the Russian Black Sea fleet. Andrei Yusov, the Ukrainian intelligence services, confirmed the strike, which appears to have been another successful use of sea drones. Of course, these steps will continue. Today's defeat and destruction of a large landing ship is another big blow to the capabilities of the aggressor. Certainly, the consequences of this will be felt for a long period. 
Meanwhile, UK Foreign Secretary Lord David Cameron found himself at the centre of a US political row after he urged US lawmakers to pass the Senate's Ukraine bill. He warned them not to show the weakness displayed against Hitler. That didn't go down well with MAGA Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, who was happy to share her views with Sky News. I really don't care what David Cameron has to say. I think that's rude name-calling, um, and I don't appreciate that type of language. And David Cameron needs to worry about his own country, and frankly, he can kiss my ass. This weekend sees the annual Munich Security Conference, a gathering of royal leaders, military leaders and guests, including the head of the FBI, Christopher Wray. Sir Keir Starmer is due to attend, as is Foreign Secretary Lord David Cameron, who wasn't showing any willingness to kiss Marjorie Taylor Greene's ass on Thursday as he visited Poland and reiterated his message that Europe is in a similar position to the 1930s and its allies need to stand together against Russia's dictator. Every country around the world will be watching to say these Western countries are we reliable allies. When we say we're going to back you, when we say you're right to defend your borders, are we with you, not just today and tomorrow and for months, but are we with you until your aggressor has lost? As Israel enters a new phase in the war against Hamas, civilians in the Gaza Strip city of Rafah have been encouraged to evacuate ahead of a planned Israeli ground invasion of the city, which is currently providing refuge to more than a million Palestinians. Early on Monday morning, Israel said that they rescued two hostages from Rafah amid strikes which killed 70 Palestinians. And while Israeli PM Benjamin Netanyahu has faced warnings from his international counterparts, including UK Foreign Secretary David Cameron and US President Joe Biden, he seems determined to go ahead with the plan. Victory is with within reach. We're going to do it. We're going to get the remaining Hamas terrorist battalions in, in Rafah, which is the last bastion, but we're going to do it while providing safe passage for the civilian population so they can leave. The White House welcomed the release of two hostages and continued to call for an extended humanitarian pause in the fighting, but they also assessed that Israel has not as yet begun its proposed Rafah offensive. President Biden outlined his plans for bringing some respite to the region. The United States is working on a hostage deal between Israel and Hamas, which would bring an immediate and sustained period of calm to Gaza for at least six weeks, which we could then take the time to build something more enduring. The UK's Foreign Secretary Lord Cameron was also calling for an immediate pause in the fighting as he cautioned that civilians in Rafah are completely trapped. It really, we think, is impossible to to see how you can, can fight a war amongst these people. There's nowhere for them to go. So we are very concerned about the situation and we want Israel to stop and think very seriously before it takes any further action. South Africa made a fresh appeal to the International Court of Justice on Tuesday, asking it to intervene in Israel's proposed extension of its military operations into Rafah, where over a million Gazans are sheltering. The UN chimed in too, announcing it would not participate in any forced evacuation of civilians amid continuing calls for a ceasefire. Jordan's King Abdullah was at the White House as work continues on a deal which would see hostages released and an extended pause in the fighting and he says there's no time to waste. We cannot afford an Israeli attack on Rafah. It is certain to produce another humanitarian catastrophe. We cannot stand by and let this continue. 
As tensions mount around the IDS plans for Rafa, former UK Foreign Secretary William Hague called for the removal of Prime Minister Netanyahu, saying that the fate of the Middle East may well depend on the fate of Rafa. But the Israeli government remained unmoved and Israeli government spokesperson Elon Levy told Channel 4 News their mission is continuing. Unfortunately, until Gaza is no longer governed by an internationally prescribed terrorist organisation that is deliberately trying to hide behind civilians, Gaza will not be safe. Still to come on the standout seven, Taylor Swift and the Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl and tributes to a much-loved BBC star. Right after this. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Welcome back. Things are getting touchy in the US and we've still got nine months left until the polls open for the US presidential election. Joe Biden's been batting away commentary all week after a special prosecutor described him as a well-meaning elderly man who may have memory issues. But it's Donald Trump's latest rant about NATO that's been generating genuine alarm. Trump, who still doesn't understand how NATO works, said last weekend that unless US allies had paid their bills, he wouldn't stand in the way of Russia if Putin chose to attack. In fact, he welcomed the idea and has since doubled down on the idea. That's caused consternation across NATO with the EU's policy chief Joseph Borrell speaking out against the former president. NATO cannot be a la carte military alliance, cannot be a military alliance that works depending on the humour of the president of the US on those days. Let's be serious. It's not just NATO they're arguing over, though, as Joe Biden's election campaign dropped a new ad on Tuesday, which blames the ongoing chaos at the US border squarely on one man, Donald Trump. His interference in attempts to pass a bipartisan bill saw a collapse, which left both Ukraine and Israel out in the cold when it came to US military aid. Now, a new bill has been put together in the Senate and it passed by 70 votes to 29. The bill aims to secure aid for Ukraine until at least 2025 and it now needs to be considered by Congress. Joe Biden was urging Republican Speaker Mike Johnson to put the bill to a vote and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says there's no time to waste. This bill passed with a robust majority. We need to get aid to Ukraine quickly. We cannot dither for another three, four months. And the quickest and best way to do it is pass the Senate bill. Meanwhile, the Republicans in the US Congress were celebrating finally winning their vote to impeach Homeland Secretary Alejandro Mercas. They claim he's failed in his duties at the border despite the refusal to pass a border bill. Their celebrations were somewhat dampened though by a result of the special election in New York's 3rd District to fill the seat of disgraced Congressman George Santos. A Democrat Tom Suozzi won by a 12-point margin which leaves the Republicans with an even slimmer majority in the House. Presidential hopeful Nikki Haley says the party just aren't getting the message about Donald Trump. He lost 
lost in 2018, he lost in 2020, he lost in 2022. How many more times do we have to lose before we realize that he's actually the problem? Sunday saw the return of the Super Bowl as reigning champions the Kansas City Chiefs made their fourth final appearance in five years against the San Francisco 49ers and the game didn't disappoint as Patrick Mahomes led the Kansas City Chiefs to their third Super Bowl title in five years with a thrilling 25-22 victory that ran into overtime. But all eyes were on the Chiefs' most famous fan, Taylor Swift, who dashed from Tokyo to Las Vegas to support her boyfriend Travis Kelsey during a short break from her Eras tour. Unfortunately, she wasn't called up to do the halftime performance. That task was left to Usher. The eight-time Grammy winner was joined on the field by Alicia Keys, While I Am, Little John and Ludacris for a run-through of his biggest hits. The nation was genuinely shocked on Tuesday afternoon when the death of Steve Wright was announced. The legendary BBC Radio 1 and Radio 2 presenter had presented his love song show last Sunday but passed away on Monday according to a statement from his family. Tributes flooded in from fellow broadcasters including Simon Mayo, Tony Blackburn and BBC Director General Tim Davies. Steve Wright in the afternoon ran for 34 years across Radio 1 and Radio 2 and the BBC plans to celebrate his life across a range of programmes. Fellow Radio 2 presenter Sarah Cox was on the air when the news broke and she paid tribute to a radio legend. Rest in peace, Steve. Steve was an extraordinary broadcaster, a really, really kind person. He was witty, he was warm and he was a huge, huge part of the Radio 2 family and I know my fellow DJs will all be absolutely shattered too and I imagine you're feeling sad too and we are here for your messages. You've been listening to The Smart 7. We'll be back tomorrow at 7 a.m. Hit that follow button and have a great day. Give us seven minutes, we'll give you the world. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.